Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company, all right? We're a movement of everyday folks like you and me who are letting beauty break through the noise so it can transform our culture from the inside out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode three in our bonus series with Jason Craig. He's husband, father, homesteader, scholar, also the head of an incredible organization called Fraternus, and does a lot of work with young men and their fathers all over the country. And this series on Chesterton's perennial work called Orthodoxy has been a real joy because Jason and I are old friends. And I think both of us often feel out of our league whenever we are discussing the the mind, the thinking, the philosophies of of great people who have gone before us. Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton being one of them. And what's so neat is we don't sit down as scholars. For those of you who've tuned in to the first two episodes, we're, we're not sitting down as scholars, but as friends. Friends who are rejoicing in all that is true, good, and beautiful. Friends who are chasing after what it really means to be human together. And that would have been so much of Chesterton's journey as well. In fact, the whole book is written as a response to a challenge. But this was somebody that, you know, just over a hundred years ago would have been one of the most brilliant minds and most respected minds in all of England. And today we jump into really chapter two, chapter three of, again, the Lovegood edition of Orthodoxy, currently and only available at lovegoodculture.com slash store. We've actually had more purchases of this book in the last two weeks than ever before. Super exciting, but an amazing opportunity to take a deep dive into a book that shaped very much the thinking of other great British intellectuals like C.S. Lewis and and J.R.R. Tolkien, who you might be more familiar with. But what I love is that in this particular episode, Jason and I dive into really this idea that there's more to reality than what we can perceive with the senses. And this is what it really means to live with what I would call sometimes a sacramental imagination, to see constantly beyond the veil and ultimately to find God even in the most hidden and ordinary circumstances of life. And uh, well, that's just where the conversation begins. There's a whole lot to it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. It's a real joy to be doing this bonus book series for the first time ever. The feedback has been unbelievable and we'd actually love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Instagram or send us an email, info at lovegoodculture.com or our handle on all of our social medias. It's just love good culture. We'd love to hear what book you think we should do next. Because as soon as this series comes to an end, we're launching season four of the podcast, but that'll be about a 20 episode season that concludes with yet another one of these book series. And we'd love to hear what you think would be a really fun one to journey through together. Y'all are amazing. Stay tuned. I'll be back in just a moment with Jason Craig. In the meantime, enjoy this incredible live track from our Fireside Sessions, volume one, exclusively available at lovegoodculture.com. Dot com slash free.
Jason Craig. I uh, will never forget how embarrassed I felt on a plane once between London and Dublin when I tried to convince all of my British friends that fairies were real. <laughs> Do you know where that idea came from? Chesterton. Did it? Yeah, let's all just turn for a moment to 26, which okay. I think will be the perfect segue into what we're going to talk about all right. this episode. 26, about halfway down. I think Mr. McCabe, a slave, Mr. McCabe is one of the, the many intellectual foes of Chesterton because he's not allowed to believe in and friends And friend. Friend and foe. And he's a materialist, right? He yeah. doesn't believe in anything beyond what you can perceive with your senses. But if we examine the two vetoes, we shall see that his is really much more of a pure veto than mine. The Christian is quite free to believe that there is a considerable amount of settled order and inevitable development in the universe, but the materialist is not allowed to admit into his spotless machine the slightest speck of spiritualism or miracle. Poor Mr. McCabe is not allowed to retain even the tiniest imp, though though it might be hiding in a pimpernel. (laughs) What's an imp and what's a pimpernel, Jason? Go for it, Jimmy. I have no idea. (laughs) But I do know that when I read that 12 years ago, I became quite convinced, at least in the possibility of fairies. Okay. So much so that it really embarrassed me in a plain conversation. I'm embarrassed to be talking about it. Three years ago. But isn't that a beautiful, actually liberal sort of perspective in the sense that it's opening us up to all the possibilities. Right. And sometimes that's what materialism does is it turns us in on ourselves, limits us to, well, here, now, flesh, blood. Right. Yeah. He's he's taking, he's going after reason right now and not to disarm it, right? Because Chesterton knows he's, as he's talking about inching his way towards orthodoxy, he's inching his way towards a tradition in a church that has, for example, Aquinas and theological hair splitting and philosophical battles. So he's not opposed to reason, but we're in, he's deep into the modern era post Descartes, which is all we have is reason mm-hmm. that, you know, so people, people misuse the word materialism. They think it means consumerism, right? That right. materialism, I love material things, but you know, Catholics are supposed to love material things, right? I, I actually am material, right? So we can love material things. The, he's trying to show, and he does it so well that the materialist thinks he's free because now he's not tripped up by all these possibilities of superstition, of, you know, philosophical nonsense and all that. He's very, he's, he's inching towards what we now have as scientism, Mm -hmm. which is the only thing that there is, is what can be weighed, measured, dissected. Which feels really relevant right now. Yeah. You know, and I'm not like anti-Fauci by any means, (laughs) Uh, but it's hard to watch an entire country and by extension, an entire world listen to doctors under the assumption that whatever they say and whatever they think it is no matter what the best. Right. And th- this time shows us, and, th- and people are even using the phrase, listen to science. And they literally cannot imagine that there's a higher plane of wisdom. Yeah. And that there's a higher plane of existence than kind of deductive reasoning. Mm-hmm. That if we can't weigh it, measure it, dissect it, it's not real. But you can only dissect dead things. Yeah. Right. Chesterton's trying to show that Obviously, there's more than the material. Yeah. And that's such an instinct within man. And, 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 and he, you know, he goes through this over and over that the scientists, I don't mean people that study science, that scientism, scientism mm-hmm. <clears throat> would deny that outright and say that those things are only crutches. Those things are 
you know, the fantasies, the ridiculous. Although, but Chesterton's trying to show before he kind of proves it, our natural instinct from perennial human life is that there's actually more to this. Yeah, so that, right. you know, the, the, the ancient philosophers would say that, you know, the, the beast of the field sniffs around the ground, right? That's what he looks at. Now we're, the, we're upright and we look at the stars mm-hmm. and that there's something dignifying, um, ennobling dignified. about that. And when we look at the stars, we actually look beyond them That's right. and that we perceive that there's more. And it's not just, you know, the classic scene in The Lion King yeah. when they're laying there and the pig, what's his name? The pig Pumba. says, Pumba says, oh, you know, I think that the the stars are balls of gas burning millions of miles away. <laughs> the the little rat thing, what's his name? Timon. Timon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're well cultured. I know. Uh, he says, no, no, they're fireflies stuck in the big black thing. So it's really another materialist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of them's wrong. One of them's actually right, physically speaking. And then Simba has that talk about how, no, it's the father's looking down on us, right? Mm. Chesterton's trying to say that's a natural instinct. And even though we know that they're balls of gas burning millions of miles away, that doesn't mean that the facts of light, darkness, that that truth is not just limited mm-hmm. to how much gas is burning. Yeah. That there's more to us than that. And that that's so obvious that to deny it, as he finishes the chapter and keeps going, to deny that is what makes you insane. That's right. Not to believe in fairies doesn't mm. make you <laughs> insane. It's actually not believing in at least uh, the possibility. The possibility of, of something fairies. other. <laughs> yes. So, and this is what's so interesting in these times. You can see it, I think, playing itself out in two different ways. That one, people in a lot of cases have abdicated their critical thinking, have abdicated the, the great dignity of, of, of a human intellect to the media, to the doctors, to the politicians. We're not digging into facts, even if they're scientific. We're just receiving the conclusions of the experts around us right. and just accepting it wholesale. So there's this, I think, real compromise or this real, again, abdication of this of this capacity for reason, this capacity for intellect, this capacity to think on our own two feet, you know? And I'm tired of experts being wrong and telling me <laughs> yeah. what to do. Right. The other side of it is, of course, the eternal perspective, which is that we are immortal souls, mm-hmm. which is to say that there is more than just flesh and blood here, mm-hmm. more than just what can be seen and tasted and examined mm-hmm. and measured and concluded scientifically, but actually there's an immaterial reality right. that <clears throat> speaks to the depths of the human soul and actually the depths of, of the human heart that this world, I think, is increasingly disappointing people with. You right. know, If you don't address the heart, if you don't address the spirit, the soul, the, 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 the part of us that is meant to live forever. Right. You know? Um, yeah, we're deciphering data very well. Yes. <laughs> Creating more data to yes. decipher. But we're existentially... We're miserable. Aching. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. Um, Orphaned. The, the author, R.J. Snell, I think he, he called, you know, metaphysical boredom. That's that it. because yeah. we're not speaking to the heart, right? And, and all, all the things that that means, the heart that we're kind of cold and we're growing colder. And I think the, the greatest proof of that is just how unhappy and unsatisfied so many people are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're the expert. And then, you know, I don't know if you see all the advertisements, like become the expert is yeah. the, it's not to become the wise man. It's yeah. not to yeah. gain Read three wisdom. books and you're an expert. Yeah, three. I have a book up there called Expert Secrets. Experts. We'll, we'll pull it down later. <laughs> 
I read that because you told me to. It was as oh, I'm so sorry. it was as cruel as I thought it would be. <laughs> he says Chesterton says the madman is not the man who has lost his reason. Mm-hmm. The madman is the man who has lost everything except his reason. Yeah. So he's saying to be stuck in your head, and he define and then and stuck in your head in a cruel and cramped way, not just using your mind, but then to to have to dismiss everything. Where does he get into talking about, and then he introduces this word imagination. Oh, yeah, yeah, And how important it is. Yeah. I know I got it underlined here somewhere. I do too. He says, the man, and he's saying that we sense these things through, we're still in a physical world, so we sense these things Mm -hmm. because that's how they come to us. But that doesn't mean that that's it. The man who cannot believe his senses, which is what we're told, that if you sense there's more, Mm -hmm. and the man who cannot believe anything else are both insane. But their insanity is proved not by any error in their argument, but by the manifest mistake of their whole lives. Mm. Right. I think that's the the misery that we're in. It's like kind of it's not working. Mm-hmm. So of course I think we should note there are some people that say, yes, but we have progressed in thought to realize that we are nothing. Mm. And that should make us sad. I read a great piece, it was a collection of atheists that were coming together and talking about why they should be joyful when they know there's no reason for joy. Right. You you joy is a response to something worth being joyful about. But if the world is only material and there is no meaning to life, there's no purpose, you have to make it, which is just in other words, what they the argument was force it. Force the purpose, force, force the joy, just force. make it. Yeah. And there are people that I, I think that are able to force it. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of them it crumbles. Yeah. It's exhausting. But what about the rest of us? Yeah. What about those who and then, but you look at the people that make their life meaningful and they, you know, they, they become a YouTube star or something mm-hmm. and then they, you know, kill themselves. Yeah, that's right. So how, how does, how How's are we it? supposed to understand, you know, how do we, how do we put together the wealth of the celebrity and their misery yeah, and not yeah. question the, the, the whole facade? Yeah. And that's exactly where I think, again, the everyday man finds himself is aware that he has a touch of the beast, a touch <laughs> of the devil, a touch of the saint and a touch of the citizen, right? And even a touch of the madman. I thought that was you talking. I was like, that's brilliant. I know. You're reading. I'm reading. I'm reading. Keep going. And I have to say over time, the more you read Chesterton, it just sort of (laughs) seeps into your soul, you know? But I think so often, you know, we're, uh, as he says here, we think, you know, our lives need to be forced into joy, forced into purpose, forced into even being a cause of interest and intrigue. You know, all of us want to make our splash on human Mm. history. Well, maybe that's more of a my personality type sort of (laughs) struggle. But the point is, he says, the interesting person, in fact, the most interesting person is quite sure that he is simply and solely a chicken. (laughs) You know, (laughs) meaning that like, it's always and everywhere that the people who aren't trying to be funny, which... He talks about that early on in orthodoxy, who aren't trying to be interesting, who are so humbly aware of their, yeah, their their limited part to play in human history, Hmm. you know, limited, but still very real and very sincere and very unrepeatable. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the ones who, yeah, we all end up liking a lot. Right. They sense, but in their existence, they seem to sense that they have meaning. Yeah. Have you heard of, I, I've never heard of this. I just heard a news story this morning. Someone called Double Rainbow Guy. No, 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 no. Okay, apparently he's, he he died, but he shot to fame with a video. I've never seen it. So if someone's looking it up, I don't know if it's worth. Double Rainbow. Apparently, but Double Rainbow Guy has some of the most views of any video. Seriously. And it's him 
going outside and filming himself seeing a double rainbow. Hmm. And he's overcome. And he's just, wow. And he's like, because they they played a recording on the, on the, his audio, on the radio of the audio of the video. And I was blown away. The, the, The thing that seemed to shoot him was that he was outside and they were filming it, right? So we're digesting it in the way we like best, which is on a screen. But he is overcome with the sight of this double rainbow and he mm. yells out, what does it all mean? Mm. And with the presumption, it means something. Yeah. And he sees more to life. And I don't think, you know, it's, it's often rebutted back that, well, you you can have wonder and still think the world is dead, right? Mm-hmm. That it's an accident, mm-hmm. cosmic accident, all that. But I don't think so. Mm. I don't think that a world that, per- that, that, that a world that perceives the world as only stuff can have the joy that he had. And that's why his, he was compelled to ask, what does it mean? Which is yeah. the same reason the philosophers, the ancient philosophers, when they look at the stars, the science, and by, by the way, he says this and we need to say this, I guess, science is not bad. Right. Right. But, you know, in the medieval mind, scientia, where the Latin word where science comes from, doesn't mean the physical sciences. Yeah, what was the queen of the sciences? It what was is, wisdom. That's right. Ciencia means wisdom. Right. And, and, to, you, and to love it is to philosophize. Right. You know? Right. To care to about it, it is to have conversations like this to it, humble beggars. And they would say, know? and I think this is the part now where maybe this is the reason we can't go beyond, is that, or there, this was the argument of John Senior, who's an author I'd quote a lot. I really appreciated what he, he would find these students unable to be moved by great work mm. of literature, art, beauty. And he kept going backwards and he would say, well, in the nursery, which Cheshire talks about reading, they didn't read the fairy tales. Their first problem. Ah, yeah. That their next problem, they didn't experience the world. Mm. That they're locked inside what he called the air-conditioned Holocaust. Wow. That they're being cut off from the physical world. So the sciences study the physical world. And not only is there nothing wrong with that, there's something objectively good about it, which, mm. which is why the, the, you know, the church and we as Christians, we have no... We feel no threat from science. Mm. You're not going to discover under the rock the proof that God doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah. But then the scientist comes to us and says, hey, look under the rock. God's signature is not there. And um, you're like, no, 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 no. I, I don't care how much the rock weighs. What I'm trying to, aren't you amazed that there is a rock? That's right. That there's a rock at all. Right? That's they, right. So we get in this. Mm. So there, but the sciences in the medieval mind would have been the lowest form of knowledge because all of us begin learning the science in a certain way in the physics of the crib. Mm. I mean, we learn those things immediately. And, mm. and and then we've been, in the modern world, we've reduced everything down to that. Mm-hmm. And we don't allow us. And that, he's making the case, that yeah. locks us in. Mm. That's and right. To be, and then to lose your wonder, which is, again, John Sr.'s motto for education is let them be born in wonder. Mm. That he he was famous for, Back to the Stars, you know, his his educational philosophy was, you know, feet on the ground, eyes on the stars. Yeah. That he would take his students out. And because he, he would he was a college teacher and he's like, these guys are just totally inhibited yeah. in their heart. And he would take them out to stare at the stars for hours. And that alone would open them up mm. just to open their eyes. Mm. Now, how many times have they read about stars? Do they can they define stars? I mean, that's the, the yeah, of course they they could define them. Balls mm-hmm. of gas burning billions of miles away. But what, what happens when you really see them and your eyes are opened and you see them in a way that only humans can mm-hmm. see them? And that begins to reveal the, the unique dignity of being human. Mm-hmm. But I think 
And now in this Corona crazy time, we're locked inside yeah. looking at screens. Yeah. What happens to us when we digest everything through media? You know, I, we're certainly more easily manipulated. That's for sure. Yeah. That's we're, been proven. We're way more quick to turn to yeah, very temporal and passing pleasures, <laughs> you know? So we're limited, you're saying. We're less yeah, free. Yeah, we, we lose our sense of of wonder and that infinite desire. And this really is at the heart of, well, even a live stream series that we're doing right now. I'm not sure if you've, you've tuned in on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central. <laughs> I have milk cows and babies at 7 p.m. But we've been 12 principles and what we call the art of being human. Do you know what principle number one is? Mm, wonder. Leisure. Wonder. Wonder. Yeah. yeah, leisure comes in soon after that. <clears throat> but he says here, this is uh, now page 36. He says that a man is meant to be doubtful about himself but undoubting about the truth. And this has been exactly reversed. He says, nowadays, the part of a man that a man does assert is exactly the part he ought not to, which is himself. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what any encounter with the beauty of creation does or a great work of art. Anything that makes us feel small, yeah. helps us stand in awe and wonder, keeps us from asserting ourselves, mm. You know, keeps us from going through this life with anything but that childlike, humble, beggar spirit, you know, that really is the precursor to gratitude and obviously joy as right. well. And that's I mean, still rooted in the, you know, the last episode, we're talking about the humility. Yeah, that's right. There's nothing. Back to and it. what is a, you know, the, in the Psalms, David considers the stars. He's yeah. like, look at the stars. That's it. Who am I? That's right. That Now <laughs> compare that to creating your online character, right? <laughs> that, your avatar. <laughs> Who am I? Hmm. Today I am thus. Yeah. Right. And fiat poof, it exists. Right. My Instagram bio will adjust accordingly. Yeah. You know, every time. Isn't that interesting? I it's mean, it's crazy. Because I mean, I think, yeah, anyone watching, the difference between massaging a profile on something. I don't know if I'm using the right words. I don't have these things. <laughs> but massaging the profile. Yeah. Versus standing on top of a mountain looking out, you feel small but you don't feel insignificant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas it seems like what we're doing, projecting ourselves constantly is fighting back the fear that we are in fact insignificant. Yeah, yeah. So David looks at this, like, who am I that you should be mindful of me, oh God? Yeah, yeah. So he, not only does he feel small, but he feels great and he's embarrassed, he's bashful, he's humble. And that's the fruit of a well-cultivated imagination too, yeah. right? And somebody able to wonder. That's yeah. right. So the humility leads to wonder, the wonder leads to humility. Right here, he says, this is now the, the, the middle of page 36, up a little bit. All this gigantesque, gigantesque, gigantic is how we'd say it in America. Imagination, <laughs> which is perhaps the mightiest of the pleasures of man, is at bottom entirely humble. It is impossible without humility to enjoy anything, <laughs> even pride, hmm. right? To have reason without imagination, to have the material world without the immaterial, you know, hmm. to have a, a body without a soul. Mm -hmm. is a horribly confined, limited, and ultimately kind of fatalistic way to approach life, you know? Which is interesting because he, and this is one of those jujitsu moves where the, the materialist comes at you that you're inhibited by your superstitious belief. Mm. And Chesterton is proving, I mean, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable <laughs> how in fact they actually are super restricted because they are there and he over and over he makes this. You're not. That's not actually the, the liberal mind, the open mind, the yeah. democratic mind. All yeah. these words that we use. You're not actually open because yeah. your creed is so strict that you cannot allow evidence contrary to it. That's right. You can't. So you're stuck finding explanations 
for things you can't explain. Yeah. When and then accusing those that explain it with the divine, with the spiritual, with the soul, with the imaginary, with the transcendent, with the they think we're stuck mm-hmm. trying to defend those things when we're we're actually not. And it's not because we've got them by the throat and we've measured them out and this is what it means to have a soul. But it's it's this constant state of humility, but also this constant state of openness mm. that the response of it is joy. Yeah. I mean, that's the natural response. Yeah. Where does he say elsewhere? Something like an open mind is only as good as an open mouth. You yeah. know? Well, that like ultimately there always comes that point where you bite down and you chew, you yeah. know, where you embrace <laughs> orthodoxy. But the reality is to to live without wonder, to live without an imagination, to live mm. without the, the dignity of a human intellect created in the image and likeness of God himself. Like this is the thing, this is the part of our soul that makes us most like God. To live without that, to abdicate that to the experts, you know, mm-hmm. or to try to become one mm-hmm. by reading three books on a topic, you know. <laughs> I have read this three times. <laughs> Good, so don't read that one again. I am not an expert. Um, <laughs> I think there's just such a danger, you know, in turning in on ourselves. And I think that's the problem with, you know, a a very social media driven society, a very technocratic, Mm -hmm. increasingly uh, dependent on technology society. What does it do? Yeah. It's actually the suicide of thought. That's right. Right. In the name of thought, you actually, he has a strange idea that he will make it easier to forgive sins by saying that there are no sins to forgive. Yeah. Right. This, the peril of morbid, morbidity there is for man comes rather from his reason than his imagination. Mm. It is rational to attack the police. Nay, it is glorious. But the modern critic of religious authority are like men who should attack the police without ever having heard of burglars. So <laughs> with a long and sustained tug, we have attempted to pull the miter off pontifical man uh, and his head has come off with it. I love that one. Right? I mean, <laughs> so good. Here, hold there, because that's okay. on page 39, y'all, the very sorry, bottom of 39. Sorry. Just before that, he talks about creeds and crusades and hierarchies and horrible persecutions that the whole world thinks were organized to suppress reason. He says, no, no, no. The church has always been in the business of defending reason mm-hmm. and specifically the authority of every individual to think. Right, but right. not as an individual alone. That's right. Right, because he's, he's very careful like thinking means connecting things yeah, yeah. on the I bottom of 40. That. I love that. And, and stops if they cannot be connected. Yeah. Right. So, and that's what, you know, in the, in the ancient language that if somebody's wondering, well, what's the difference between data, truth, and like the word like wisdom, mm. we arrive at wisdom when we begin to see things in their completeness. Yeah. yeah. Right. So our education yeah. from, you know, this pen and what it is and ink and then writing and reading, and then I don't know if you've ever had these moments and I'm, we're homeschooling. So we're teaching our kids and a lot of my work, it's to be intellectual. And I get to, my wife's very bright and my kids are <clears throat> growing brighter. And that moment of, Oh, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden something comes together that was totally yeah. disconnected. You yeah, know, that's yeah. wisdom. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been around somebody who's just got this complete view of things, they're able, they're very agile. In yeah. reality. His name is Dr. Ryan Hanning. <laughs> <laughs> They're agile and at ease, making connections, having already made them, hoping you will make them soon. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're talking to someone who's restricted in thought, mm-hmm. have you ever noticed they always mm-hmm. bring arguments back to some very simplistic mm-hmm tired points, yeah. right? They're not agile and they get frustrated. And they're emotionally attached typically. Very emotionally much more attached. sensitive. Yeah. I mean, I've been there with plenty of 
less than thought through ideas. Yeah. Where I, they're, they're definitely more fragile in my mind. So I'm going to be much more fragile in my uh, delivery. <laughs> yeah. And my response to criticism. You right. know? Yeah. It's fascinating. I, I have some very close people not to be named that, you know, think very differently and they're very of the mind Chesterton is working against. And I'm amazed at how when you begin to poke holes yeah. um, in the yeah. consistency of their thought that they're angry that you did that. Yeah. You know, we're in the, the, the Corona, I mean, one of the great ironies that we're facing right now is we've got Cuomo, the, the, the king of New York, <laughs> saying every life is precious. And if we have to shut down this city for one life, yeah. we'll do it. Except for the ones in the womb. Except he was the one who notoriously, by the way, a Catholic, he was the one who notoriously celebrated with cheers and partying. Yeah. Partial birth abortion being made legal in New York. Yeah. So the inconsistency, and that that's just, hmm. I don't know if that's the best image of like of, of wisdom as a, the wholeness of perceiving reality, but it's at least the inconsistency. Mm-hmm. And But in my experience with these family members is when you begin to bring up inconsistency and in thought, I can't believe how angry they are. I know, I know, um, I know. Whereas... I think what's funny though is is that there's their perception that gosh, well, I mean, you're a Catholic, you're probably about to, and you know, send an inquisitor on me to, and I'm sure we can talk historically about we anomalies. We could use in a, an inquisitor in the church. I mean, there's nobody inquisiting <laughs> yeah. on anything these days. Yeah, can we inquisit something? Here? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's definitely how you pronounce that. Um, <laughs> yeah, how do you say the verb form of it? <laughs> yeah, but we could if if they 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 think that we're angry and and protective and. Or more puritanical than a pig is fat, yeah. <laughs> to borrow the phrase of yes. Chesterton. So, and, and, and as a homeschooling family, what's funny is if you come to our bookshelf, we have, we have a, we're a bookish family, probably like 30% of them are explicitly Catholic. Yeah, yeah. 30%. The rest of them, literature, lots of fairy tales, the stuff he gets into in the next chapter. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a very well-rounded thought, and we're able to articulate those. But then people send us constantly... One people that are opposed to what we're doing, I guess you could say, yeah, one form of book, which is like yeah. this, and it, I could summarize it as the thread of that Chesterton's going against here. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what's the dancing penguin movie, Happy Feet, <laughs> right? The thread <laughs> is basically the Happy Feet, which is the father is a questionable authority, yeah, the old religious guys are, are not to be trusted, and they're hiding the truth from you, which is if you band together with Loveless in the movie, who's the womanizing patriarch, pseudo, and then the the gang of fatherless, wild people. If you just combine together, you'll be free from the religion and you can save the planet. Mm. Right? That's the, the, the books they send us is just this one thread and it's just so tired. I mean, yeah. it's just, to, but then to be awakened to wonder in my daughter, who's very, very bright, she's just, she, she was trying to read the, we, we won't let her read stuff. She just reads, she's like, it's just so, gray mm. it's just she's it doesn't awaken anything yeah, because yeah they're actually restrained they're that's trying to put word. her in a box awaken mm. yeah and i think that's a great way to curate filter discern what kind of books you read movies you watch music you listen to does it awaken something in the depths of who i am yeah. and does it call out something even greater so this is sort of a, a good helpful definition of of art like the fine arts mm-hmm 
They're meant to reflect reality, but also surpass it. Right. You know, to help us long for the infinite. And that doesn't always mean it leads to a profound contemplation and levitation in prayer. But it it awakens you to what's already there. That's right. Right. So the, the, you know, somebody does a painting of your front door and it's beautiful. You go through it every day, but you forgot it was beautiful. That's right. So the artist reminds you and shows you and reveals. So they're pulling a veil away Mm -hmm. and awaking you to the more. Um, it's, it, uh, you know, modern art is just so it's, it's, they're just, it's, it's so brutal. Cause it's just trying to hammer in a message Yeah, and it's so tired. I mean, it's so ugly. Yeah. I mean, the, it's just, it, it's boring, mm-hmm. um, because they're running out of things to offend me with yeah. as if that's, you know, now that we've destroyed everything, right. It's the suicide of thought It's also the suicide of art Yeah, that, well, I guess we've, we're, nobody's even able to be offended anymore. Yeah. We're, we're numb to your Nothing antics. Nothing left to destroy. Nothing he gets into that in his, in his criticism of skepticism, right? Yeah. As, as a philosophy, that there actually comes a point where there's, there's nothing left to be skeptical of. Yeah. So you you're know? skeptical of, of reality itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you despair. You're nihilist. Absolutely. Where else do you turn at that point? Yeah. I'm glad you said a minute ago, awaken. It's not just art. Oh, because uh, I think a lot of people can be intimidated by... Well, I don't know how to appreciate art. Yeah. I don't know how to appreciate poetry. I don't like museums. I'm that way too. <laughs> and it's true. There is a lot of truth in, sometimes we need guides mm-hmm. to say this is good. Right. But the one thing that we face with our children is like, there's these, there's things that are not objectively good because of the mode they come in. For example, books. All books are not good. So it's like, gosh, you, you kids need to be reading more. No, I don't know if that's true. Mm. Maybe they need to be reading less and only... And if your kid reads only one good book yeah. in a year, it's a lot better than him reading a trashy novel every week, yeah. right? Yeah. Because what does it do? And that's his another thing of his point is that we are formed by our imagination. Mm. Mm-hmm. And our intellects are, are, are grasping to sort of make sense of things. And, and what happens in our imagination and our heart is helping us to understand, not to make sense in the sense of like, we own them now. We've got yeah. it mastered. Yeah. But it wake it awakens us to wrestling with these things. Yeah. But not in a way. It's a, it's in a freeing way. So it awakens you. But yeah, you can't just read any book. Yeah. So a kid sitting on a bench reading a book instead of swiping through his phone. I'll admit the mode of the book is going to be most often better when it comes to certain things like right. retention, right. reflection, contemplation, silence. But it might be crap. Mm. So we need help cultivating yeah. these things but and, and, and you know he'll go into the why it's helpful to have a culture yeah. why it's helpful to have standards and i don't want to give away the end of the book but the but it's, uh, it's also why it's helpful to have heroes you know yeah. the right kind of heroes right and perhaps we could close with this because at the very end of this chapter which is chapter three which is the suicide of thought we haven't even gotten into the ethics of Elfland. not even there yet he talks about joan of arc you remember this part mm-hmm. he says that joan read the whole part that's yeah, so good joan of arc was not stuck at the crossroads, by rejecting all paths like Tolstoy or accepting them all like Nietzsche. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So let's just situate it. Yep. He is talking about the skeptics. Right. That they are now paralyzed and are stuck essentially contemplating suicide. That's right. Yeah. Whereas Joan of Arc is not. So, and even if they're not yet contemplating suicide, they're just like endlessly debating, endlessly conversing, endlessly. Well, he gets into it here. Going in a nowhere. Yeah, no, she chose a path and she went down it like a thunderbolt. Yet Joan, when I come to think of her, 
had in, in her all that was true, either in Tolstoy or Nietzsche, all that was even tolerable in either of them. He goes on to say, she endured poverty as well as admiring it, whereas Tolstoy is only a typical aristocrat trying to find out its secret. Later on, she says that Tolstoy only praised the peasant. Well, she was the peasant. Nietzsche only praised the warrior. Well, she was the warrior. She beat them both at their own antagonistic ideals. She was more gentle than the one, more violent than the other. She was a perfectly practical person who did something while they were wild speculators who do nothing. And I suppose that's the danger of even a conversation like this is that we just philosophize and speculate and then forget to concretize it or apply it in the the everyday dirt, diapers, and realities of our lives. Right. So for those who are at this point, a few episodes into this series, in any way intimidated, what is your word? To bolster them with courage, (laughs) to not give up because we're only on chapter three. We're about to transition into chapter four and really start digging in deeper. Because right now, it's been mostly a, a process of opening our hearts and our minds through humility and wonder. Right. But where are we going next, Jason? How do right. we stay we're gonna, courageous? We're going to put our feet in the next two chapters. He puts he puts your feet down in Elfland, right? The place of imagination. Yes. The fairy tale. Yes. And he puts his feet down in where he is, mm. which is <clears throat> as the as someone who loves the Southern agrarian tradition and the distributist tradition of Chesterton. That's where we begin, actually. Mm. And we might think that the thinkers he's going against are floating around with their feet off the ground because they're up in thought. And really, they've just laid down on the couch in despair and they're watching TV. Yeah. Right. So, And the real thinkers are probably the ones plowing the field. Yeah. Probably the ones getting dirty in a factory. Right. Because why? Because we have a body and a soul. So only man can, you know, the angels, right? Their spirit, no body. The beasts, body, no spirit. Perhaps some of you will debate that. We'll talk later. But only man, I can have my hands in the soil as a farmer mm. and I can have my mind in heaven, mm. right? As a soul. And that's the the unique place that man begins. Yeah. And the sweet point, you know, right down the middle of uh, certainly in my life and my even day-to-day activity that keeps me, frankly, courageous, peaceful, hopeful, and moving forward is keeping, you know, enough of my heart fully engaged and connected to all that is to come. I believe he would call it, <clears throat> you are sane. That's right. With my feet <laughs> and my hands to the plow. That's all right, right, Jason, we'll do this again much sooner than later, as in next week. Next week. We won't be changing clothes in between episodes <laughs> right. for those who are wondering. I only have one pair of clothes. I am the peasant. Thank you, Jason. Just some nice clothes. Peace. So we don't need a rush, Let's take our time. Talk about the hard parts on green countrysides. If we can both discover what we need to find, I'll be. And I will hold your hand if we lose touch of where we are And grip you even tighter when it's pulling us apart Let me be your guard Driving through the dark, through the dark, through the dark Driving through the dark, through the dark, through the dark Driving through the dark, through the dark, through the dark Driving through the dark 
Another amazing episode with Jason Craig. What a joy. I hope many of you have formed little book groups who are perhaps, you know, meeting over Zoom or I really hope in person. Get together with the people that you love in your homes, certainly in coffee shops, if that's even an option. It certainly is an option in Nashville. Everything is pretty much open at this point. And, you know, right now the world kind of feels like it's going to hell. Like the world is just kind of turned into madness over the last month, especially. We kind of thought we were living through history as this coronavirus pandemic took off. And now I've just never seen so much social unrest and, and cultural strife in my lifetime, certainly. I'm not even sure I've read about it in recent American history either. This is a particular moment where maybe the last thing on planet Earth that really makes sense is to kick back and cultivate the art of being human. Read great literature or great nonfiction like Orthodoxy by Chesterton. Maybe the last thing that really makes sense is to zoom out long enough to remember that, hey, we're just little blips on the radar screen of human history. And while that might not make a lot of sense because it doesn't seem as practical as hitting the streets and protesting, it doesn't seem quite as practical as, you know, uh, fighting for a political party. You know what? It might actually be the most important thing we could do you know, in these crazy times to just remember the essentials, the importance of friendship, the importance of forming our minds and really allowing our hearts to be forever shaped by the beauty of God's love. And right now, there's just not a lot of that out in the world. And so we rejoice in this opportunity to engage in that with you. And we just can't thank you enough for tuning in. As always, we got our our live stream retreat this Thursday. Go to letbeautyspeak.com for all the details, but know that it's actually the last live stream that I'm going to be leading, at least in the summer of 2020, because next week I have a very, very special guest coming in to do the live stream retreat himself, and that is Father Ryan Adorjan, and that will actually conclude our 12-week series. So go to letbeautyspeak.com if you haven't already. Get signed up. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week and hope to see you on the road. We've actually got a really exciting summer tour, backyard summer tour happening beginning next week. So stay tuned for details on that. And especially if you live in the Midwest, we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you guys. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you next time around. Peace. Massive thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. If you like this week's episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, share it on social media, leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and then join us on the front lines of building a better culture by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Our patrons get all kinds of incredible exclusive content, such as a weekly long-form video of the podcast, a monthly live stream house concert with our artists, and a seasonal package that will raise your standard for music, books, and art forever. Thanks again for tuning in. It's an honor to accompany you as you change the world.